0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. We're back with John Fraser live in the United Kingdom. Poltergeist, a new investigation into destructive haunting, his book, which has just come out. John, can you give us a poltergeist story, one that has just fascinated you over the years?
1: Um, there's many poltergeist stories that have fascinated me. Probably the one I'm best Able to discuss about is one I've looked into in quite a lot of depth, which is um, a place called the Cage, uh, which is prison in St. Osyth, Essex. Now, this is a, sp- a strange case indeed. Um, it's actually uh, the the house is a lot more innocent than it sounds, in that it's a small semi detached house uh probably about two hundred and fifty years old uh possibly on the definitely incorporating a local lock up which used to be where they'd keep the village drunks before you know they could send them to the magistrates, and possibly incorporating an older lock up um at least there is a plaque. On the, um, uh, on, on the wall of un-neuron origins, saying it dates back to the late 16th century, and um, possibly a witch, Ursula Kemp, was kept there before being tried and hung for witchcraft. Huh. Now, Ursula Kemp definitely exists, the rest are probably possibles. But, um, uh, but um, uh, a lady called um, uh, Vanessa Mitchell uh, moved into there, and along with, along with some friends initially, and a lot of strange things started to happen. Doors used to um, slam shut without any reason. At one point a pool of blood was found in the floor, and um, a cook can flew across the room, various of the residents got pushed, various of the friends were witnesses as well. Um, Once her friends moved out, um, she quickly, uh, she decided she could no longer stay there, uh, left the house and um, opened it up for paranormal investigation. And at one point gave uh, me and a colleague of mine, Rosie O'Carroll from the Ghost Club, uh, basically carte blanche to... Not primarily to investigate the place in the conventional sense, because Mm -hmm. a lot of people have done that, but to interview all the witnesses, both from the original events and the the subsequent paranormal investigation teams that had been there. And what we found is a lot of people had seen and experienced a lot of similar things in the same place, there was a particular door that would bang, you know, not just creak, but bang with considerable strength. There were various people that had been pushed down the stairs. There was at least five cases of poltergeist scratchings or markings when, you know, a scratch would suddenly appear in your arms or legs. And it was actually this combination of Witness testimony that I actually found a lot more interesting because it's one thing. For example, the Amityville Horror. Right. Um, you're totally, you're totally down to the family and what they saw or what they didn't see. But in a case like the Cage, you've got literally dozens of witnesses all having similar experiences, and
0: all pretty credible, I assume, right?
1: And all pretty creble, credible. It, in, it included a um, uh, TV producer who was there in his personal capacity not to produce a TV program just because he was interested. Um, uh, he actually um, uh, he actually claimed, I think, to feel total depression um, after whilst in the place. There's people that have broken down there um, literally and asked to be taken home from 60 miles away and had to be picked up in the middle of a sort of uh, investigation. There's a there's a Scandinavian paranormal investigator who went there and basically broke down in tears. Now, we have to obviously correlate. There is a certain psychological factor of staying in a, inverted commas, haunted house. But... Um, uh, this seems to go even and above that. There does seem to be some kind of atmosphere there that triggers some kind of very unusual experiences.
0: And uh, would you say that poltergeist cases are uh, where you do not see the poltergeist or the ghost, the apparition, or or do you?
1: Not at all. I actually, I mean, there seems to be lots of little boxes of paranormal phenomena. You were talking to UFO expert earlier on, mm-hmm. and so on. Um, and this psychics, witchcraft, occultism, um, ghosts, poltergeists. I tend to think it's one big box. Um, as an example, um, colleagues of mine in the Society for Psychical Research had a book out called Poltergeists, they're always called Poltergeist, if it's about Poltergeist, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> uh, but huh. but um, uh, their book actually was encyclopedic. They took 500 cases from history and found that in at least 30% of the cases, there was also um, visual phenomena, you know, more like hauntings. And in primarily a separate 30%, there is also audio phenomena like ghostly voices, so you've got one heck of an overlap. Uh, I'd go as far as to say, whatever it is, ghosts and hauntings are probably one and the same thing, different symptoms of the same of the same of, of the same power.
0: John, what triggers a poltergeist case? What what starts it?
1: Now that is the um, uh, that is the sixty eight thousand dollar question. Um, nobody can be sure if anyone says it's demons or it's a dead person with any degree of great certainty. They are they are they are, they have their own hypothesis. I tend to think it's probably some something within us. Um, nearly all poltergeist cases have a stress factor that seems to trigger it off. Now it could be a death in the family which obviously feeds into the afterlife the afterlife theory quite well. It could be adolescence which if you remember was quite a stressful time. It's a few years since I've had that but I'm um, uh, Yes, I remember that. Well, it could even be a house move, which is, I think, down as its top five stress factors in most surveys. So you get the wonderful thing of somebody moving into a house and suddenly finding it's haunted. But it could even be the fact that they moved into there in the first place and had their life disrupted um, that started it out. Let's... Let's go back to Amityville again. Um, uh, you had the guy that was overextended in his mortgage, and moved into the house of a mass killer. Yeah. Um, if that's not going to cause stress, I don't know what is. So I think that's the trigger thing. I, I tend to think and only think that there's uh, that it's quite possibly powers within us that actually cause the phenomena to happen. Best example of that being the Philip experiment, which was an experiment done in Canada in the late 1970s, when a group of um, paranormal investigators decided to create a ghost-stroke poltergeist. They invented this fictitious character, never existed, called Philip the Cavalier. They gave him a wife, a mistress, and all kinds of things, and invented a history by which his wife committed suicide and drew pictures of him and started to live his life, in effect. And then you started to get poltergeist events happening, caused by Philip, who, of course, never existed, so couldn't be from the afterlife. Um, And there's actually good footage on Canadian TV of these events happening. So I tend to go for the powers within us. However, just like your report on COVID, I dislike the fact that the paranormal community sometimes gets into political sort of tranches. We should be working together. I could be wrong. The afterlife people could be right. Um, uh, in the same way as hydrox- hydroxychlorine might work, might not, but everyone seems to be in entranced views. Scientists do it. Paranormal investigators do it. I wish we wouldn't.
0: Is, is the paranormal field... Tense between rivals, John.
1: Um, to some extent, it's not. It's not as bad. It's probably not as bad as it has been in the past. But uh, yes, I mean, all fields are intense with rivals. Um, science is very intense with rivals, and yes, there is a there is a certain amount of um uh, for for your listeners that have seen. Monty Python and the Holy, sorry, Monty Python, and the life of Brian, there is a certain amount of the Judeans, People's Front, and the People's Front of Judea. You know, people, different groups that should be working for the same things, but are actually criticizing each other, and so on.
0: Hollywood, of course, has done an amazing job depicting vampires. How close is that to reality?
1: Well, um, when Bram Stoker wrote um, Dracula. He'd never been to Transylvania. Um, his um, uh, his he chose he chose a, he chose a totally fictitious um, um, depiction of vampires, and he even chose a place called the Borgo Pass, which um, he has a mountainous, which is actually very very pretty and hilly. I've been there. Um, so it was a it started on a walk of fiction and it's extended from a walk of fiction. Um, the Romanian strigoi, which is a Romanian vampire, is far less romantic-looking when depicted. It looks a bit like a sort of wild animal. So it's not based on any, any real-life vampire folklore at all.
0: Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.